tough game for the Kansas City Chiefs. A stunner in Oakland. Chiefs losing to the Raiders on the final drive by a score of 31 to 30. And certainly not how you want to go into the weekend if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. Joining you today, Friday. It's 12-16, Arrowhead time. Pete Sweeney for the Arrowhead Pride postgame show. And let's talk about the game. Five takeaways. Uh, first takeaway I think that jumps out is in the first loss of the season, I was very sure to tell you guys that it really wasn't a big deal and the Chiefs could rebound and things like that. And by no means... Is this season over? But this one stings a little bit more because you have control. Uh, you, even though you dropped your first game, you're five and one. You still have control of the AFC. You know now things get more interesting. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots now uh, sitting there at four and two. Now you've entered a situation where, if the Pittsburgh Steelers were to win the game, of course they have the tiebreaker. They now have their own control of the AFC. Of course. There's still plenty of games left, nine games to figure this out, but you did see a lot of problems these past two weeks with the Chiefs. Interesting thing, and this shows you the success about the franchise. Gilbrand tweeted it out. The Chiefs had gone 35 games in a row without losing back-to-back games. So this is unfamiliar territory, at least in recent years, for the Chiefs. And I think a bigger thing, too, in this loss, aside from the Chiefs losing control of the AFC, Uh, for the time being, is you were about to slam the door on a Raiders team. And what this uh, miraculous win does for the Raiders is it means their season wasn't over. They were about to go to 2-5 and with an 0-3 record in the AFC West division. And I understand there's more than half the season left, a little bit more than half the season left, but that's a really big hole to climb out of. So there you have it. You have the lead with less than three minutes, and your defense has to stop the Raiders in that spot. And we'll get into really what happened at the end of this game. But you just left the AFC West window open open for the Raiders team who could have been all but dead, and now they got a little bit of life. So that's the first takeaway of the game. Second takeaway of the game, and you can't really argue this, is the Chiefs' defense really, uh, really struggled tonight. It was a a really uh, sore spot, 505 total net yards for the Raiders. Uh, They had individual performances that were a little bit unheard of. Amari Cooper, who had been struggling all year, their first six games, averaging like 25 yards a game, something like that, 210 yards tonight. Jared Cook, the tight end, with 107 yards. Derek Carr with over 400 yards. Individual performances that stuck out to me uh, was that of Eric Murray. Not really a great night for Murray, and and that's something you hadn't really said a lot, even though he is a young player. Looked a little outmatched. There was that one play with Jared Cook where it didn't look like he played to the whistle. Uh, Secondary overall as a whole always seems to give up over 100 yards to the opposing best receiver. 
there's a lot of problems with this secondary. You've entered a situation now where you're really looking forward to whenever Steve Nelson can come back from that core uh, surgery from the beginning of the year because you think, okay, if Peters, who in my mind is a little bit not the same player this year, if he can at least hold down that left side, then you have Peters uh, on the right side. You can get out of some of these um, high safety looks and get Nelson back, and then Mitchell becomes your third guy, and maybe the secondary gets a little bit better. But I think now you're really looking forward to Steve Nelson returning, whenever that may be. I was excited when, uh, not for an injury, I don't think you ever get excited for an injury, but I was excited about the right tackle matchup. Uh, You had the starter for the right tackle for the Raiders in Newhouse out, so the backup that Veda Alexander was in, so you thought, that maybe Justin Houston could take advantage of that. I mean, you'll find out more when you look at the replay of this game, but just not really able to get to the quarterback tonight. Derek Carr had had time to work, 29-52 of 52 for 417 and three touchdowns. I was expecting a lot more pressure in Derek Carr's face today, and you didn't really see it. And, and same, same old story, I think, from D. Ford as well, just not getting the pressure that you'd maybe expect from these two guys, I think, that we sometimes put on a pedestal in Justin Houston and D. Ford. On to the third uh, point. O-line, again, didn't look great to me. Again, you're facing one of the elite pass rushers in Khalil Mack, but there was a couple angles on Twitter that I saw of Eric Fisher getting beat pretty bad uh, by Khalil Mack. There was a couple times when Alex Smith was looking at his line, basically doing it with his eyes, like I think sometimes maybe your spouse does, where you say, what the heck's going on? You can kind of see that Alex Smith was getting a little frustrated. Despite that fact, he did have a pretty good game. Uh, I don't think it was one of these new Alex Smith games where he sort of t- took control of the game and um, won it for the Chiefs, but he was still pretty solid. Uh, I don't think you could put this game on Alex Smith, but definitely... Uh, not a ton of time. It seemed like, at least to me, upon the first look for him to work with. Uh, again, Khalil Mack is a problem, sort of that new type of Justin Houston player. But, uh, man, uh, not really a great game. Not good tape for Eric uh, Fisher. Khalil Mack ends up finishing with a half a sack. Navarro Bowman did have that um, big hit on Alex Smith. Fourth point. Uh, Chiefs on their final possession, they get the ball back with 4:15, uh, and they really just need a first down to win the game. I, I thought this was a real interesting point because all you need is a first down, and what happened to the Chiefs' offense is they got very passive. Uh, you know, it just was really runs with Hunt. Raiders kind of knew what they were doing, or, and Andy Reid put the game in the hands of the defense when I thought, you know, at that point, the defense is the worst part of your team. So for me, I mean, of course, I always like to preface this with, I'm not a head football coach in the NFL. I'm well aware of Andy Reid's talents. He's one of the greatest coaches uh, that ever coached the game. But that said tonight, I just thought it was a little curious that rather than being a little bit more aggressive and going for the first down, and making sure your defense at all costs stays off the field with what Derek Carr was able to do tonight with Cooper and Cook. Make sure they stay um, off at all costs. Instead, it was just very predictable runs. The Raiders end up getting the ball back, and that opened Pandora's box for Derek Carr to, to do what he did. One thing before I get to my final point, 
I thought it was a really interesting situation in the middle of the game where Marcus Peters ends up hitting Derek Carr late, getting the um, late hit flag, and Marshawn Lynch runs out on the field, not because he was trying to protect Raiders, but because he was trying to connect, uh, I'm sorry, because he was trying to protect uh, Peters. Very weird thing. I, it was something unlike that I've ever seen before where a player was running out to help a member of the other team. And I think that really just goes to show you the connection between Peters and Lynch and how much it means to them. But I don't know, just a weird spot for Lynch. He winds up getting ejected from the game for touching a referee. That's black and white. That's obviously something you can't do. So he gets ejected from the game. He winds up leaving the stadium. Then his team rallies back behind uh, Deion Washington and Jalen Richard. So you wonder how Marshawn Lynch fits into that Oakland picture now after uh, he did something that just was kind of weird and that you never see in the realm of really pro sports, you know, college sports, high school sports. Uh, I mean, I've seen NHL fights where two brothers fight, you know, former friends, things like that. I don't know. I just thought when I saw it, I understand how close they are, but just a weird move to run out, help the other team and then get ejected in the process. A weird moment. And if you notice, it seemed like the Raiders got a boost after he left the team. So I don't know. It just remains to be seen what happens in Oakland. I want to talk about some of the few positives for the Chiefs tonight. I was happy to see Tyreek Hill get back in the mix. I think he's an important player for this team. He ends up leading the Chiefs in receiving yards with 125 and a touchdown. I still think Kareem Hunt is very good. Seventh game with at least 100 yards from scrimmage. I think he was better earlier in the game when the Raiders weren't predicting the run as much and could um, get things going a bit. Uh, And I also uh, like the game I I, I mentioned before of Alex Smith. Lucked out a little bit on the Albert Wilson touchdown off the hands and into the hands of Albert Wilson. That very well could have been an interception. It turns into a touchdown, so... That changes your stat line a little bit, but still, Alex Smith wasn't really the new Alex Smith that we like to talk about where he grabbed the game by the horns, but he didn't do anything to uh, make you lose the game. Finishes with 25 for 36 for 342 yards and three touchdowns. So there you go. It is what it is. Um, The Chiefs wind up losing the game. And if you're a fan of this team, I understand why you're frustrated. I'm going to turn it over to you guys now as I scroll down here and try to get some questions or comments by you guys. Mike Thomas is the first one I see. The simple question, playoffs. Yes, uh, I want to say to you, Mike, this game is not the end of the world. I don't necessarily think the Chiefs are going to be out of the playoffs. What I think frustrates me the most, for the most part is you had a situation here where The Chiefs were controlling the AFC, had their own destiny. And I think what's most bothersome about this is you had control of the game till the final moments of it. So, yes, the playoffs are still available. I still think this is a very good team. Are there problems? I think certainly. There's obviously a lot of defensive problems that need to be um, discussed and evaluated with this team. The lucky part for the Chiefs, Andy Reid is really good after bye weeks. This is sort of a mini bye because not only do you get the three days of not playing Sunday, you also have the extra day 
because uh, the Chiefs will play on Monday Night Football next. Two Mondays from from now when they host the Denver Broncos at Arrowhead Stadium. So you got a lot of time to address all these problems. You wonder if they get their full offensive line back. I know LDT and Mitch Morse were close. So you have that starting O-line coming back. There's a lot to be positive about. I think what bothers me is now you've entered a situation where the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they win this weekend, are on top of the AFC. You're certainly not in the conversation for best team in the league anymore because I think now the Pittsburgh Steelers will be thought of to have their number, and if they keep rolling, the Pittsburgh Steelers may be thought to be the best team in the league. And then even though you beat a Philadelphia Eagles team, time changes things, and the Eagles looking really good. You had a pedestal. You had the AFC, and through these two losses and this real bad loss to Oakland tonight, you no longer have that. I think that is more bothersome than the fact uh, that you should be worried about playoffs. This is still a very much uh, – the year isn't over, is what I'm saying. Playoffs are still available. And to a certain extent, I think sometimes there is a little bit of a fear of peaking at the wrong time. Now you throw that at the window because obviously the Chiefs need to dig themselves out of a little bit of a hole here. Chris Perez asks, why in the world do we play so much soft coverage? I think it has to do with maybe the talent level that Bob Sutton realizes he has in uh, the secondary. I, I know what you're saying, though, because there's a lot of times when you, when you look at Marcus Peters and they show that wide shot and he's playing a little bit softer than maybe than he should. And in Peters, what I always thought, well, you know, he has very good um, football sense. And as soon as the receiver catches the ball, he's able to, you know, quickly get to him or he can make up, make up ground quickly. But I know what you mean when you say that. I, I can't really answer that question for you other than, uh, maybe I believe I think it gives them a better opportunity to make a play on the football. It's, it's must be some something that Bob Sutton sees in his defensive scheme that works well. But I do notice that as well. It's 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 very rare rare that you see a Chiefs um, secondary member right up in the receiver's face off the line. Uh, I do agree with that. Jacob Engler says Eric Berry is truly missed. What happened to the defense? I will say, when it comes to Eric Berry. I know what you meant tonight, and I hadn't thought that the first five to six games, even last game, I, I wasn't thinking that even though they lost just because they were able to hold the Steelers to 19 points. This is the first game, I think. If Eric Berry is on that field, I find it hard to believe the Chiefs lose this game at the end there. And that's the first time I remember saying that this year. I just don't think... With Barry on the field, he would have let that happen. And it hasn't been an issue before. The Chiefs have been able to sort of scheme out of missing Eric Barry. But, you know, Danny Sorensen's good. Eric Murray before tonight has been pretty good. But tonight you really did miss Eric Barry for the first time. Um, and the defense, you know, I can't lie to you and say that I feel positive about it. Uh, I really think there's some things that need to be addressed. And, you know, if there's one positive thing looking at it, it's they have 11 days to do so, review film. Again, maybe you get some guys back. I know that Steve Nelson can't come back until after eight games, but, you know, maybe there's something that they can come up with to kind of fix these issues. Luis Rodriguez is shouting referees at me. I thought the referees in the first half were pretty bad. Just give me one second. I just want to pull up some notes that I have that I just wrote about. We have winners and losers up right now at OurHeadPride.com. And I went through some of the, the 
the problems with the referees, especially in the first half. Okay, I just want to start this by saying that me in particular, I'm not a huge guy to get on the referees. I think that a lot of times these are long football games and, um, you know, in a 60-minute game, you should be able to manage, like, the referee's mistakes. Like, I think you could give a ref, you know, a referee crew, you know, one or two mistakes a game, it's going to happen. Even if it costs you three points, God forbid, a touchdown. The game is 60 minutes long. If you're a better team, you should win. But tonight, I kind of went back on this. I wrote about them in the Winners and Losers article, which you can find on OurHeadPride.com. And I said, the referees, especially in the first half, I thought the Amari Cooper pass offensive pass interference that he committed on his first touchdown was blatant offensive pass interference. Uh, and that wasn't called. I thought that Eric Murray's illegal contact penalty that negated what would have been a Justin Houston fumble recovery was a very bad call. All that contact was within five yards. And I thought that on the third and 10, when Jack Del Rio called a Derek Carr um, run up the middle, Derek Carr, I understand he's a quarterback, but on that particular play, he makes himself a runner. And he wasn't down when Peters came in, and that, that's when Donald Penn got mad, and it caused that whole skirmish and controversy. But again, that was another bad call. Like, Peters touched him before he was even down. And I get, it, get the league likes to protect these quarterbacks because the quarterbacks equal the ratings, and you don't want Derek Carr out again. And I get all that. But when they call a play call for a quarterback run, it changes things a little bit. And so for me, I uh, didn't love that call. I thought the referees were especially bad for both teams in the second half. Missed a couple face masks. Um, just the referees are there, and you're not supposed to notice them. When you're noticing them, that's a problem. And you were noticing them all night tonight. First half, it seemed more against the Chiefs. The second half, they were bad on both sides of the football. And honestly, you never want to see that. Tim Shell asks, when is Tom Bahali coming back? I mentioned I did have a little bit of concern with how the pass rush was tonight. Tomba would actually help that. He is eligible to return now. Chiefs have the next five weeks to allow him to start practicing. Then they have three weeks of him practicing to determine whether or not he can come onto the Chiefs roster. I expect them to make that move pretty soon here, but I'm not. 100% certain about it just because I know there was a lot of stuff with Tomba in the offseason and training camp. I think you're in a situation now, though, where his juice, his energy, and really his leadership may be good for the locker room. Obviously, this is a team that needs to do something different. Whether or not that that is Tomba remains to be seen. David Bradbury asks, do you think we get LDT, Morse, and Enger back next week? I do. LDT and Morse were working this week. Uh, it seemed like they were close. We now have 11 days. Who knows how many of it that they'll be off their feet to allow for more recovering time. I think when this game goes off against the Denver Broncos on Monday night, you have your original starting five. I still don't think that Parker Anger replaces Brian Witzman because I think they like those five initial guys. Uh, Anger seems like they're taking it slow, uh, so I don't really see him jumping in anytime soon. But the good thing is I think Mitch Morse will be back at center. And I think LDT will be back at right guard when the team plays on Monday night. Someone's mentioning Passigno. Would love to see some of that as well. 
I don't know if I'm a D Ford believer anymore. I just don't have the, I don't see it. I just don't see the results. And I understand, I mean, he's a first rounder, a former first rounder, but I mean, this is a guy that's six foot seven, 290. Might be pretty raw, but you know, could he do much worse? I don't know. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Jermaine Schmidt asks, why won't Sutton allow Peters to move with the number one wide receiver? It's just not his style. Likes the one cornerback to stay on the one side, the other to to move on the other. Um, And that way, I think the benefit of that is, in his mind, Peters, the way it's kind of set up, because he's so elite or, you know, had been playing like that last year, maybe a little bit different this year, but still very good, takes away that side of the field. So, in theory, you really only have to worry about the other side. As you can see tonight, Peters did take that penalty, pretty clear penalty. Um, so, again, not the, not the greatest game for him either. All right, guys, uh, we're 22 minutes in, but I think I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, we will be having some coverage um, later this weekend. Again, there won't be a ton to talk about until early next week. What typically happens now is the Chiefs will get a few days before resuming workouts on Sunday, maybe Monday. Again, it's kind of weird because it's a Monday night football game, so everything, even in the next week, it's shifted back a day. So end of the end of the day, it really becomes a mini vacation for the Chiefs, which might not be the worst thing in the world at this point. Bright side, if there's any, I think as you're entering this mini bye week, before you started the season, if we would have told you that the Chiefs were going to be 5-2 and two at this juncture, you would have taken that probably 10 out of 10 times. Again, it's a little tougher when they start 5-0, and oh, lose a game last week that maybe you could have won, lose a game this week that you should have won. Uh, but it is what it is. And the Chiefs are still in first place, still have uh, a great opportunity to win the AFC West. They're still in the picture for the bye. You gave up a little control, but it's a long season. I think you take a break. You try to figure out what's wrong here. You try to address those mistakes, and you come back stronger on Monday night football in 11 days at Arrowhead Stadium. The next time you'll hear my voice will be on Tuesday for the Tuesday show with Sean Barber uh, and myself. We'll take a look at this game, kind of see what's wrong. We'll address anything we hear as far as um, press conferences and things like that from Andy Reid. Aside from that, just keep it locked in at OurHeadPride.com. We'll be putting up videos and articles this week. Right now we have the recap, winners and losers from the game. And so tough night to go to bed a Chiefs fan. A lot left on the football field, but again, still in great position as long as they come back stronger. You're getting these reinforcements back, and then hopefully uh, they can rebound from here and beat the Donkeys on Monday night. But for tonight, it's a 31-30 loss to the Oakland Raiders. Chiefs dropped to 5-2. and two. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I thank you for joining me for the post-game Facebook Live. Summer is here. The sun is out, and so are you. When you go, take along a clever little app called Audible so you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love outside. A walk, a run, the pool, or the beach. All better with Audible. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook from the world's largest selection. If you don't like it, exchange it anytime. So get outdoors with Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free at audible.com. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. 
and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.